Hey guys, welcome to this bonus episode of the Haas Lady Podcast. I've been sitting down with different experts and just chatting about how our worlds all collide in some form or fashion with organizations. So this is just two folks sitting down to chat, learn about each other's expertise. So sit back, grab some coffee and tea, hang out with us while we chat. Enjoy. lady how are you doing today Ashley I'm doing so good how are you I am I'm awake it's Sunday yeah, yeah I hear that <laughs> I've had a cup of coffee so we're we're ready to go um this is awesome that you're here with me today um tell me about what you do as far as your your niche and what you like to talk about with other people Oh, yeah. I um, Well, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. This is not my first time being a guest on a podcast, but I think my first time being a guest on a podcast as a my coach self. Um, I was on a podcast probably close to 10 years ago for my, my former yarn dyeing business. Um, and she was a knitter. And so she had a podcast and she interviewed me about dyeing yarn. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so this is the first time that I've been a guest as a coach. So thank you for this conversation that we're going to have today. Yeah. But I, um, I'm a teacher and I coach teachers. I'm a school librarian, but I still consider myself a teacher. And um, since the pandemic, when we shut down and everybody was at home, uh-huh. That's when I really kind of put my coaching brain in high gear as far mm-hmm. as like, who's helping the teachers, who's helping the teachers with the things that they truly need help with. Cause most teachers don't need help with being a better teacher. Right. They, they need help with like the shit that's going on. Oh, sorry. Do you allow cussing? Absolutely. Go for okay. it. Say shit. All you want. <laughs> <laughs> um. I help them with the shit that's going on in their brain, the things that they're doubting themselves about, even the veteran teachers, Mm -hmm. uh, because it boils down to mindset and mental health for teachers is now finally not a taboo topic. And so that's who I talk to. And that's what I love to talk about. Yeah. Well, I can imagine during the pandemic with the complete, like almost deconstruction of education, the way it happened back in 2020, like you must have a lot of teachers suffering from burnout and from just lack of being seen and just, you know, so much pressure on them to keep going when the, their situation, their circumstances changed just as much, if not more than the students themselves. How do you, how do you talk to the teachers about that? Um, it helps that I'm a teacher still. Um, I find myself like I I will talk to people on social media um, about mindset topics for teachers or mental health for teachers. And if they don't know me, they really want to know, are you still a teacher? Because I think the radar goes up when people like give maybe unsolicited advice on like, oh, here's what you should do. Because Mm -hmm. teachers are on the receiving end of so much of that. And I think it's partly due because we work with the children who are the adults of the future. Mm -hmm. And everyone has a stake in 
how the society will shape from where their kids now, they're going to be adults in just a few years. Mm-hmm. And everybody is an expert. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 All the parents that are trying to like tell you how to do your job and all the, you know, the other teachers trying to butt in. I can't imagine. Like I have. I have a team of eight people and maybe one or two people will tell me what to do like in my, my day job. So yeah, yeah, I can, I can only imagine it's frustrating. So yeah, it is. And I think that part of it is like the, the perception of the personality of a teacher, especially the elementary teachers, Mm -hmm. which I'm in elementary is um, we are to accept everything that someone else tells us. Mm. And because we deal with little kids, like it seems so simple of like, but if a, if an elementary teacher has the, uh, the gumption, which I hope most of us do, if we don't right now, if they have the gumption to say to a parent or a fellow teacher, like, no, I've done my research. I, I know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. It would probably help set the, like lay the foundation for the trust that is needed on the side of the person being like, oh, here's what you should do. Because just like I need to work on my trust in my husband to put my son who's eight, put my son to bed the right way so that I don't have to like get up and be like, oh, he needs to be in bed right now. Like I have to work on my trust in my husband so that mm-hmm. I don't butt in. Yeah. And so I think working on <clears throat> the people who are like what we call stakeholders, you know, like the parents, the community members, the upper administrators, um, even politicians, like they have to trust the teachers. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't trust, then you're in a position of like, well, I better tell them what to do. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting to think about it that way because the teacher has to trust themselves to get that conversation even started. Oh, wow. That is so valid. That's so true. Yeah. Cause if they, if they don't speak up, they just become the brick wall that people want to just shout and, you know, yell yeah. at forever. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Well, of course I am a, an organization guru Mm -hmm. and um, I feel like a lot of times some of the stress that comes from teachers or whatever is kind of a lack of system or a lack of um, I guess organization and how they set up their classrooms, how they deal with being at home. And I've actually, um, I've actually decluttered and organized for a teacher before in their home or in their classroom, in their home. So I could see the level of like, once they get home their her classroom, I'm sure was immaculate. Like everything had a station, everything had a place, everything was very tidy and had a system. Mm -hmm. But by the time she got home, she was so tired and that was like in in order to separate her day job from her real life mm-hmm. she had to just you know her office became the dumping ground where she yeah. would just put things and just stop and not think about it anymore and i think 
having a coach like you who can come in and say your life outside of school matters mm-hmm. and how you wake up every day and how you go to bed every night and how your home is is definitely a reflection of you not just as a teacher but as a person so if by coming home and being so exhausted that you just don't take the time to take care of yourself in the house mm-hmm. you're you're just burning yourself out more right so do you ever get that when you have conversations with teachers like how their home life can affect their day job and and vice versa yes and um all these school years blend together, Becky. It's like, oh my God. Okay. When did we shut down? Okay. That was the year that we weren't from it from March, like spring break. Then we didn't come back for three months. Okay. That was that year. And then the year that we were back, but we were all six feet apart, like these years blend together. So when you ask me that, the, the coaching needs, like the mindset work changed from year to year. So like mm-hmm. right when we came back, when teachers were coming to me um, on my weekly like support group in the library after school every week, they were very much talking about like the dirty dishes and whose responsibility mm. it was at home and mm-hmm. the energy level of, I have been teaching these kids in front of me on my screen, 45 of them, and then these 12 in person. And I've been going back and forth. I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to sweep the floor. Yeah. So that was the concern um, at the forefront of teachers' minds on my campus when we were, you know, six feet apart in the library with our masks on doing our, our support group meetings. And I wonder, Becky, and if maybe you could shed some light on this, the amount of last minute change at last second change uh-huh. for teachers during, during the, the heaviness of the shutdown and the amount of decision-making in a day, in a typical day for teachers present day, uh-huh. can you talk to us about like how you see that manifesting in someone's home? Like you already kind of alluded to it, but like, to me, the exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion and the mental exhaustion mm-hmm. can come from the amount of decisions and the last second decisions and the amount of time that teachers just have to be on their toes without a break and how yeah. they show up in their homes. So that decision fatigue is, is real. Um, I think pretty much anyone who has a nine to five job kind of has that they come home, they're just they have made all the decisions they want. So it's a very proactive kind of situation. And this is where I teach how you create your systems of habit and create systems of organization in the home. Mm -hmm. So I give an example of if you come home and you've got your keys and your purse and your bag, and the first thing you do is just dump everything right there in the doorway. Right. Um, then everyone else in the family is doing the same thing. And maybe they're not actually dumping it in the same place every day. They get distracted and walk into the living room and put their keys down. And then they're, you know, putting things away that don't need to go where they're supposed to go. And the next morning you're waking up and everyone's frazzled because you can't find your keys. And it's, it's stressful and it starts your day off terrible. So 
one of the things I really like to hone in on is if you create a system and very tiny system. So like, let's just say for two or three weeks, your goal is to come home and hang your keys in the same place every day. And if you see your keys laying on the kitchen counter, or if you see them in the bedroom, immediately take your keys and put it back where it's supposed to go. And after you've got that habit down, let's talk about your bag or your backpack. Mm -hmm. And where does it need to go every day? That is definitely a easy way to build on a habit. And I don't know if you've ever read, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I'm so bad. The Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. I've heard, and I think I've even gotten the the audible version, but haven't started it yet. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And I love it because it, it definitely um, teaches that kind of thing when you've got a habit that you already do. Yeah. So let's just say your habit, even if it's as minor as walking in the door, you tell yourself when I walk in the door, I hang up my keys Uh and that's it. And then when I hang up my keys, I put my bag down. Mm -hmm. So you, you stack on those habits and as each habit becomes, you know, commonplace it's no longer a thought process right then you keep adding on things like that so from that's just kind of the once everything's in place the getting things in place takes a little bit more proactive work Mm. so like the organizing where everything in your home has a place to be and every place in your home has a function so Every drawer has a function and only the things that pertain to that function can go in that drawer. So when you're out and about and you find a bobby pin in the kitchen, you know your bobby pin goes directly in the drawer that holds the hair accessories kind of thing. And it just takes a matter of planning and, you know, decluttering and getting that system in place Mm -hmm. so that as you're coming home every day and you see something on the table, it takes zero thought, zero decision of where it goes because it already has a place and you you can just put it exactly where it needs to go. It takes five seconds Mm -hmm. versus maybe I see it out of place. I'm just going to shove it in a drawer that doesn't have anything to do with anything else. It's like the junk drawer. And then 10 days from now, you're looking for it. I can't remember what I did with it. Where is it? And you've got that stress all over again. Right. So it takes that decision out of cleaning your house. It takes the decision of where does this need to go? Mm -hmm. So I also teach if you have a function for a space and you've put everything that pertains to that function in that space, but you have extras. That's where you have to get rid of the extras. Oh, oh God, no. I can hear <laughs> all the teachers in the world. I know. Being like, but what if I'll need it? <laughs> right. Now I do, I do in cases like this and even in your home, like it's fine to have like an overstock cabinet, you know, for like the extra paper towels and extra toilet paper and things that you're not going to have on display, but you need to have it all in one central location. Mm. So like if you have the extra whatevers, keep them all together so that when you're like, oh, I've run out of this, you can go straight to that place Mm -hmm. versus 
I'm going to go to the store and buy boxes of tissue and put them in seven different places and then forget that I have them stocked away in different places. And then you go back to the store and you buy more tissue. And then you're like, you're wasting money. You're Mm -hmm. wasting space. It's all about keeping your stuff in the function. So your function of that overstock cabinet is where everything goes. So you can't have too much overstock or you're going to, you know, spill out of that cabinet or closet or whatever you have. So that's kind of where I go because I want the decision to be easy. Yes. And Mm -hmm. this makes me think of teachers on meet the teacher night in August or September. If you're lucky enough to start in September, um, (laughs) when all the school supplies come in all at once for all the children. Right. And they're not going to need seven glue sticks on the first day of school. Now Mm -hmm. in the elementary world, I was just having a conversation with a a kindergarten teacher and she was very upset that, um, and this is a common, a common headache for, for, I think elementary teachers, but I'm, I'm seeing more middle school and high school teachers complaining about the same thing the lack of respect to materials that the students are showing. So an example is this um, kindergarten teacher noticed that one of her students was down to like three crayons, you know, out of 16 that he started with. So she gave him a brand new box uh, right back after we came back from winter break. And then now just two weeks into school, half of them are either missing or broken. And so I was like, okay, my coaching brain goes to, all right, well, if the theory is that half of life is kind of terrible and the other half is kind of great and the glass is half empty or half full, or you can focus on the positive or focus on the negative, let's focus on the positive of, well, half of his crayons are still there, still able to be used. But as a home organizer, what would you kind of say, like, what are the things that are churning around in your brain to this idea of students are not respecting the materials in their class, breaking, losing, et cetera. And it's not even the money issue of like a teacher Mm -hmm. has to pay for this stuff herself. That's not like the conversation here. What are you kind of thinking as an organizational standpoint? So I, I have a three like step process for decluttering any space and I'll, it'll tie together in a second, but your first step is to clear everything out. Your second step is to commit to where you're going to put things. And then the last step is resetting. So as an elementary teacher, one thing that she can teach her students now Mm -hmm. is that we are going to reset our desk. It takes about two minutes every day. Let's reset our desk and put everything where it needs to go. So this would be a daily habit. This would be a daily habit. And it could even be as micro as like at the end of math, we're going to reset our desk Right. before we move on to the next thing. Let's make sure everything is together. This is going to create the best habits for them. They're always going to consider, you know, before I change and go in a different direction. Am I ready? Is my desk clean? Yeah. And, and, you know, at the end of my business day, I make sure my desk is set, is reset mm-hmm. for the next day. Yeah. So what resetting looks like is 
I don't like to use the word clean Mm -hmm. because so often we're like, we have to clean the house and like your whole body just kind of melts and you're like, that sucks. I don't want to clean. (laughs) So (laughs) reset is kind of like, oh, we're getting a fresh start. We're going to start over. Yeah. So at the end of her day or at the end of the student's day, she's going to say, okay, everybody open your crayon box. How many crayons do we have? If we're missing some, maybe we can put them back in the box. Mm-hmm. If they're in your desk somewhere, go ahead and pull those out. Are all your papers stacked up in their little bin? Right, right. Is your is your backpack hung on the hook correctly? Mm-hmm. Is your whatever, your water bottle in its right place? Let's reset our desk. And then it's kind of like a military. You go by and kind of look at everybody's desk. And, right, oh, my right. gosh, you did so good. And you give a lot of praise for that. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep the kids engaged. And I know that that's probably going to take a little time for the teacher to do. Yes. But in the long run, she is helping those kids oh, yes. by creating a mindset of I need to set my desk right so that tomorrow mm-hmm. I have the things that I need. My crayons are here. My papers are in the right place. My my papers are in the folder. It's teaching them the responsibility, too, of you know, I'm, I'm sure she probably already does this. Like, mm-hmm. hey, make sure the papers that need to be signed are in the front of your notebook or that your agenda is in your backpack so that right. your parents can look at it. Right. That kind of thing. So it's just kind of taking that extra step and making sure their desk is reset, not just the things that are going home. Yeah. And and for her to be an example as well, I'm going to reset my desk right now. I'm going to mm-hmm. put my pencils in their bin. I'm going to put my papers in the in the box and that kind of thing. So. Maybe that could be a, a, a definite help and call it reset. We're not going right. to clean our desks. Right. And that gets me going to like, cause the, um, the objection I could see teachers coming up with is one, there's no time mm-hmm. because I have to teach, I have to teach these kids. Right. But to me, I think that's an opportunity to teach them both yes. things uh, in the structure of a reset, like the framework of a reset, you teach them how to count their crayons. Yes. And then you teach them how to, like, if they're going through um, their book box, a lot of uh, elementary world, we have like book boxes. If you teach reading in kindergarten, they teach it all. So it's like, not only are you putting your books cover facing forward or whatever, you read the title of your book and then put it cover facing forward. And that could be just reinforcing a reading habit yeah, and reinforcing a math habit in one fell swoop. And then also just taking care of the, um, like in Montessori school, they have, I don't want to call it a standard, but it's like, it's just part of the, the environment where we take care of our environment. So like they have plants like house plants in their classrooms and they take care of organizational tasks Mm -hmm. as a part of the like if you're in Montessori school you learn how to do that Mm -hmm. but in public school unless your teacher is incredibly intentional about it yeah teacher like to me a teacher has just like we do at home we have a choice to put in a structure that we know can work, Mm -hmm. dedicate the time, like you said, commit to it Mm -hmm. and then see it through to where we're like, oh, that's right. I'm choosing to think that this is just an inconvenience 
no wonder my classroom or home is so awful right now, or that the coffee table is so disorganized. I'm choosing to think that this is not my job. (laughs) Right. And a huge inconvenience. And so no wonder I'm not doing it. Can you, does that spark something like absolutely someone's house? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, and that's one of the things is the indecision, the Mm -hmm. decision fatigue, the inconvenience comes from if I know something needs to go somewhere and it takes more than like two or three steps or two or three actions. Talk about it. (laughs) So like unloading the dishwasher, I am four foot 10. I am a short person. (laughs) All the cabinets are way up. Yes. So if I'm unloading the dishwasher and I know that I am required to go pick up the, the, the footstool and close the dishwasher because it has to go in front of that and open the cabinet and get up on the stupid thing to put the dish away. That's like 10 steps to put a dish away (laughs) versus just putting it away. Uh I am going to dread unloading the dishwasher Yeah, because it is an inconvenience to me that I have to go get all of these things. That's why I like all my dishes on the first shelf. (laughs) And it's just my home. It's the way I like that done. So If it's an inconvenience and you're right, it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you have run over and your classroom is, is not going to make it in time to do this, Mm -hmm. definitely set a Friday reset. Mm -hmm. You know, let's reset before Monday. If it's too much to do every single day, let's do it on Friday Mm -hmm. and you have to schedule it in just like math is a priority, just like reading is a priority you need this 30 minute or whatever you need 10 minute to reset your classroom yeah. once a week. If you can't do it daily, yeah. um, it's no longer an inconvenience because it's on the calendar. Mm-hmm. It's on the wall. It's on the schedule. Everyone sees it mm-hmm. and you can make it fun. You can play a fun song while you're doing oh, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be an inconvenience. So, and the thing I like about it, like if the student has, everything they need right in their desk or whatever, if they have a station in the room and they know exactly where this little item goes, then they're not inconvenienced. They're like the, the sparks are flying. They're like, I know where this goes. I can put it exactly where it needs to go. And they're, they're, they're going there and they're doing it. If they have something out that they're like, I don't, I don't know where this needs to go. This doesn't have a home like, and, and they kind of freeze and maybe they just Mm -hmm. shove it in their desk. Yes. Yes. And then it's lost forever, Mm -hmm. you know, out of sight, out of mind. That's the things that we want to, you know, like discourage Mm -hmm. so that everything has a home. And if it comes to the point where the teacher has to create like a, I don't know box, like if you have something and you just, I don't know where this goes, someone's, I don't know, someone's pencil, that's not mine. Mm-hmm. is on the floor. I'm going to put it in the, I don't know box, kind of like a lost and found. Right. You know, and then that way at the end of the week, we can go through the, I don't know box. And that's the same thing at home. Mm-hmm. You're going to have little things that you're just like, this, this doesn't really have a home, Yeah. you know? And I'm trying to think of a good example, like, like a gift card. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I would put a gift card in my top drawer of my vanity because I know that's where I keep all of those little things. Yeah. But, you know, some people may not have a home for that. Mm -hmm. And so they just kind of shove it in something. Or like if you have a quarter, 
Okay. A quarter mm-hmm. on the floor. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Are you just going to like put it in a drawer? Are you going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you have a bank, put it in a little bank. Mm-hmm. If you have a little change purse, put it in a change purse. So yeah. it takes all that decision out and having those items in an actual spot, that micro organizing mm-hmm. is kind of what it comes down to. It's going to for sure save you so much headache. And in the long run, your house and your classroom is going to be organized. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to manifest itself. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. I was thinking whenever you were like the, I don't know box, I heard all the teachers, like, as you said that I was like, Oh, that shit's going to be full. <laughs> Give it a half a day. Give it a half a day. Cause here's what I could see students of all ages going through in their mind mm-hmm. is they have two choices. They can take care of it themselves uh-huh. or they can bother the teacher. <laughs> and if a kid's like, oh crap, I know she's taught us this before. I just can't remember. Mm. And I don't want to go get in trouble. Not that all teachers are going to be like, but I can tell you, our patience wears thin. (laughs) We've said things a million times before. Yeah. And, you know, the coping mechanism of a student is like, I'm not going to go bother her. Or they're like, they don't know any better. And they're like, oh, I'm going to have to go ask her. And I think in that exchange, so teachers, if you're listening, and I would think also parents to children, like this dynamic Mm -hmm. could happen, like in that exchange where a young person is going up to the person of authority in their life with a, hey, I don't know where this belongs. It's like, we have to decide what kind of vibe we want to give to this whole commitment of keeping our spaces organized. Because when a kid comes up and says, I don't know where this goes, it's almost like them saying, I really want to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, and um, because I'm doing a lot of thinking about shame and how shame directs the behavior of children and adults alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it can it can persuade us to do things and not do things. Um, and if there is shame, like when teachers are frustrated or parents are frustrated beyond belief that their child's room or their classroom is to a level that is just, you know, all kinds of words, unacceptable, filthy, just like worse than ever. Like when that starts to come down as what they think, like in reality, like, oh, this is, I just, I just can't believe this is happening. When we go there, like we kind of said earlier, like that, even thinking that and going through that kind of play in our mind Mm -hmm. is hugely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And cause, and I, I see it with my own self. I'm like, okay, well, my son piles his junk on the coffee table. Isn't, it's not my, that's not my job. (laughs) And it's like, I'm, I'm avoiding, maybe I'm avoiding shame or I'm avoiding like feeling like 
I do everything for my son and that's shameful. Like, what am I teaching him to do? Like walk all over the women in his life. Like my brain can just go on on little tangents because I see a bowl on the coffee table, you know, with like a spoon in it. Um, But like, I guess what I'm getting at here is like, what is, what do you say to your clients about like when their feelings start to come up? Mm-hmm. about this, the current state of their home, or if a teacher is thinking of their classroom and there's negative emotion that comes up, like, where do you go from there? What do you say to your clients? Well, like in your example of the bowl on the coffee table, yeah, your brain went to, he's disrespectful. Right. To he, all the women. <laughs> right. He's lazy. He's a mess. He's going to fail as an adult because he cannot put his bowl away. Yeah. That's where your brain went. Uh You know where his brain was? I ate some cereal. Yeah. And oh, I forgot. I need to go play my game. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Exactly. He gives two shits about the bowl on the table. Yeah. He ate his cereal. Now he's playing his game. Yeah. What you can do is when you see that bowl, your first thing is to be like, have I ever left a bowl on the table? Oh, yeah. Right? You have to like, hey, I am not perfect. Mm-hmm. Why do I expect him to be perfect? Yeah. Then you have to think, okay, does he care that the table is dirty? Yeah. No. I care that the mm-hmm. table is dirty. Mm-hmm. Do I need him to care that the table is dirty? Uh, maybe you want him to care, right. but in all truth and all honesty, he doesn't care that the table is messy. Right. He may not care till he's 25 years old and he has his own house and he wants to keep it clean. Right. By you saying, Hey, I see you left your bowl on the table. I'm just going to put it up for you. Maybe next time put it up. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I like the table clean. Mm-hmm. You're not fussing. Mm-hmm. You're not like pulling him away from his game, creating anger in his mind. Like she is nagging me. She's, she yeah. doesn't understand me. I'm busy. Then if you're just cleaning it up for him mm-hmm. and not saying anything, then maybe you are enabling. But if you're just saying, Hey, I see you left your bowl out. I'm just going to pick it up for you. Maybe next time you do it, mm-hmm. you're just letting him know that it's not a big deal. You're right. not mad. Mm-hmm. We're just resetting the table. We're just putting our things away where they go. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he'll hear you. Maybe he'll hear you after like 50 times. Yeah. It's okay. As long as you're setting the example that keeping the house organized and clean isn't a mommy dearest moment. It is not a, you know, child abuse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a normal practice mm-hmm. because mom likes the house clean. Mm-hmm. Miss Hannigan likes the classroom clean. Yeah. You know, it's just a normal process of what we do. Mm-hmm. There's not a, there's not a negative undertone to it anymore. Right. 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 Bringing it back to neutral instead of it being like, we love cleaning our classroom or we exactly. love. like that extreme positive is just as sick as the extreme negative. <laughs> In my opinion, like if we, and emotional exhaustion for parents, for teachers, for professionals, for both, I think one of the key ingredients to helping to prevent emotional exhaustion at the end of a day 
is to help get in ourselves into the habit of not going to those extremes Mm -hmm. in positive or negative land. Yeah. Um, Because both like the negative seems so much more compelling because you're like, but I feel this in my soul. (laughs) Yeah. But if you are lying to yourself and you're like, I love cleaning the coffee table every day, that's as much of a Mm -hmm. like lie. It's sick. It's just icky and it's not true. Yeah. Just like we can toggle our brain to being like, okay, if the positive, sickly, sweet, toxic positivity is not true, then maybe that extreme negative isn't true either. Yeah. And and we can start to question ourselves since we do feel that so hard. We can, maybe that's actually not true. Like instead of using shame as a motivator at home, at school for kids, maybe we could just use like, this is just what we do because yeah. I, I feel like a lot of teachers and this could probably translate to anyone managing any sort of space teachers will, will go to that. Like I need to use shame to motivate mm-hmm. instead of being like, well, this is just what I do. Hey guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Host Lady Podcast. I am so happy you took time today to change your life for the better. If you or someone you love really struggles with the daily habit of resetting your home, your struggle is almost over. I am so excited to announce that we are about to launch an online course that is going to help you stop cleaning and start living. To learn more, Visit thehostlady.com slash get started to get on my mailing list. You don't want to miss this. Until next time, let's get to it.